Meanwhile, recorded live by Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to a chat with the greatest living Englishman. It's issue 34, the Martin Newell interview. Sometimes working in radio offers you amazing opportunities that you really can't say no to. Like when my friend Heather Zykowski called me up and said, hey, do you want to talk with Martin Newell of the Cleaners from Venus with me? And we can like, I don't know, just ask him about his life and his music and what he's up to. And of course, my response had to be, uh, yeah. So, like you do when you're talking to the greatest living Englishman, I guess you talk about riding bicycles? It's maybe just me riding a bike. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know how to drive a car. Mm. I, I've never. I've never driven. We one. had conjectured this. There were certain things. You know, I, I, so I'm a. Re- that I'm a very recent re- convert to the driving. I only learned in the last year and a half myself. Um, but with all of the stuff about bicycling and whatnot, we were guessing offline that. Um, yeah, I wonder if uh, Martin even knows how to drive. I'm dyspraxic. Oh. Interesting. I can't play a drum kit either. Hmm. I know how it works. I can't physically do it. It's not just, you know, I can't walk and chew gum. I can't walk and chew gum and read and listen to a radio. Well, I probably could, but it fused my brain. (laughs) Um, There are certain things that I just can't do. Mm -hmm. uh, And it took ages. And when we found out why i said why well why, why am i dyspraxic because we only found this out a few years ago and they said oh well it commonly goes with aspergism and i said you know i'm not aspergic and they said well hasn't anybody told you that you might be and i said no <laughs> and then uh and then i did this test mm-hmm. and so i showed it to my partner who works with aspergic people and knows a lot about it and has seen these tests which test did you do and i said i did that one i said how many questions i said 50 and I said, what did you score? And I said, 30, which means that I admit it means I'm borderline. Wow. And she said, would you mind doing it under supervision? And I said, no. So we went through it together and um, it, it came up quite a bit higher. Mm-hmm. You know, not severely, but, you know, it's, um, but it did. And, and over the next year, I sort of like raked back through my past and mm-hmm. figured out various things that had happened to me with regard to girlfriends relation human relationships with people mm-hmm. classic mistakes that human beings make how interesting uh, and uh, and it all sort of tallied up and eventually i came to accept that yes i was probably aspergic wow. and that goes with I... dyspraxia and, and so but i can play a piano but nobody really knows how i do it, or how <laughs> I it. and it's not a conventional way of playing it you know? mm. how in- i don't play it with my nose or anything but sure um, well, yeah, this is you know kind of interesting to me in terms of your career because I mean you certainly have this story of having played in some bands and then kind of moved on to recording on your own uh, and uh, 
Yeah. I was kind of curious in, in that transition myself. I was always wondering, well, uh, did you end up like buying a bunch of gear or how did you compensate for? No, I've always, I've, uh, my dad brought a, a, brought some old tape recorder home from the office in Singapore when I, when I, when we lived there when I was 12. Oh. He was an army officer. Okay. And, um, he said, this has come out of my office. We've got a new one. And it was just like a little three-inch reels. But it was a tape recorder for, I don't know, whatever the Army tape records things for. Probably informational recording minutes of meetings or something. Sure. And I played with this thing, and I found out you could slow it down. Then I had a friend with a tape recorder, and we devised a, a, a way of doing these little plays. And I figured out, look, if you record that, us clapping and shouting, and then we clap and shout and play that and then record it with this with a slight distance. We can get a crowd scene going. Yeah. You know? So I was already figuring that out. And it was only a matter of time mm-hmm. before I, I bought, you know, when I was about 20, I think it was, I bought a, a Sony TC630, uh-huh. which allowed me to do sound on sound recordings. Right. That means they were in mono. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you, bet you you record on that side, then you listen to that, and you record on that side. And there was a third button that you open up that third tape, and it also allowed you an echo facility. Nice. It did something? It put a delay on it. So what you got was loads of hissy overdubs of me, <laughs> and most of most of blow. In fact, all of blow away your troubles was recorded on that. Oh, eventually. Okay. But by that time, I was getting a bit burned out because I'd had it for five or six years. Sure. Now I, I don't. And then the Porter Studio was invented, and and that, and I never looked back after that. Sure. But I had been in studios. I knew about studios, but only little cheap ones. And then, of course, as soon as I was recording, then I started working in sixteens and twenty fours, mm-hmm. and then I went back to four track because, you know. The Beatles recorded Rubber Soul on a four-track. It was a very expensive four-track, and they had George Martin. <laughs> right. sure. but, it worked for them. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, I always find the gear. Well, that's what I thought. I always find the gear talk. I just thought, in theory, I have the same facilities as the Beatles. I have a four-track. I should be able to do something. Yeah. And, and I've always worked with, you know, forwards, into the future. I never thought of it as being old-fashioned or retro or anything. Because the Beatles, I regarded the Beatles, who were something of heroes to me, among others. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of them as old-fashioned. I thought of them as futurists, because they really were at the time. Everything they did mm-hmm. so, like, uh, seemed to go f- further into the future, including the use of synthesizers on Abbey Road. Here's a song called Statues from Martin's as-yet-unreleased forthcoming album, Penny Novelettes. Now you to ask your rulers what they meant It's a paper chase of flaming discontent But the spokesmen are not speaking And the stories are still leaking Someone wants to know where all the money went So a virus brings a Tumble and fortunes must crumble 
There's this old saying, and I'm not even sure it comes from, follow not in the footsteps of the ancients, only seek what they sought. Mm. So that's it. I'm not trying to copy them. I'm trying to sort of, what were they after? You know, what was it? You know, I want to join the the trail of that particular gold rush, if if indeed that's what it was. Gold rush of ideas. Well, something I was definitely wondering, you are so prolific. And as we said, you are the most published living poet in England. And what I really wanted to know was, what is a poem versus what becomes song lyrics? Because I know there's a little crossover, but it seems pretty distinct a lot of the time. Um, well, I, uh, I usually, so the closest I can get, I'm not, I don't know if I'm any more the uh, England's most published living poet, but I certainly was We're for a few years. It. Yeah. Because of how many I wrote for newspapers. Um, what is the difference? It's hard to say. I discussed this with the poet laureate Simon Armitage and a, and a writer as well in, in front of a for a poetry breakfast at the on a literature festival, which I don't do many of them. But, but I just said, you know, that that poet that poetry and and lyrics are not the brother and sister which people think they are. But I do think that they are kissing cousins. <laughs> And there's a, you know, they're permitted to marry sometimes <laughs> for that, you know, for that they're permitted to marry because they are yeah, cousins. For artistic reasons. But they don't do, but you wouldn't do it all the time kind of thing. I mean, some, a lot of song lyrics do not work as poetry mm-hmm. and, and a lot of poetry isn't really very singable. Well, a lot of mine is because I specialize in what some people regard as pretty old fashioned rhyming verse. <laughs> Heaven, I do. Heaven I, I, I rhyme. Yeah, I'm, I'm a rhymester, you know, and I do do rhyme. But I use good classic rhymes, and um, and so did several other people who I admire, like Betjeman and Houseman and all these other people. What I tend not to like is metaphysical poets or difficult academic bastards, you know, mm-hmm. people who you think 
excuse me, what was that about? <laughs> because poetry is the brand. I regard poetry as, as the brandy and literature's cocktail cabinet, mm, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's only small. It's quite strong. It has to do a big job in a little shot. So you better make it count. Yeah, I, and, so, and so you better make it lucid because it's because because poetry is, is, is a form of communication. And once upon a time, it was a device in pre-literate times, I believe, for the, for the memory of the tribe. Whoever had the great memory and remembered that Hrothgar was the, the, the father of, of Ragnar or something mm-hmm. like that, that... It, at times of celebration or great loss round a fire, this person with the memory would be able to recite this. And to do that in pre-literate times, you'd need to have at least a rhythm and in Saxon cases, alliteration and, and, and sometimes a rhyme too, because it would help you hold that whole lot in your head so you could, you could bang it all off. Mm-hmm. And, and that, I think that's how it came about. But I like little nonsensical rhymes, and I think there's room for it. And I dislike the way that that academics, certain academics, hold it above the heads of the lumpen, right. as if to say, "We know this stuff. Hey, kids, don't try this stuff at home. It's heavy." <laughs> you know, and that because that's what they do, and then they create because no one's listening anymore because everyone's kind of like <sighs> poetry. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I mean, people. People will hear the word poetry, and you know you only have to say the word poetry. You can empty a room. Mm, mm. You know, the, the people just they 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 go off like wildebeest at the, at the scent of a lion. They think poetry, yes, worthy, good, incredibly dull. Um, anyone fancy a pint? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh. And well, you're right. Have... It's, it's presented as very intimidating and very much you have to be educated in this certain way to produce poetry and you have to follow all of these rules and, or at least in, in the school systems I went to, it was a very fraught topic. And when we had to go and write poetry, it was a bad scene. Everybody was very embarrassed. <laughs> well, you could have just written nonsense stuff or funny stuff. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always I thought it was like good to rhyme. And people say, yes, but rhyming is so trite. It means you are, you are confined to what you. And I said, no, it is a cage to be brilliant in. It's a cage to dance right. in. Like a go go dance. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With tassels. Here's another one from Penny Novelettes that you'll have to resist the urge to dance to if you're in a car. Good night, Andromeda. See you on some starry night when the lights go out and the world turns round again. Crashed in the twilight zone. Now I'm using a psychic phone. You can call me when my ghost gets home tonight. Lost my heart to a flaming star. Nothing to keep me here when the lights 
quite a famous record it is it is <laughs> probably my most it famous is. solo album yeah it's well thought of mm-hmm. and uh, well thought of by most people there are a few hi-fi buffs and xtc experts you should get because xtc have a huge male following of musical experts who kind of like yeah there's no everything <laughs> and they Heather kind knows of all about that and, and you know and they, they like <laughs> having named musicians working and oh isn't it great we get andy partridge together with you know some, you know, Pat Metheny or something like that. Or, mm. You know, they, they like all this stuff. But they don't like them getting together with me because they just saw me as the equivalent of a cheap little tart, really, taking their hair away, you know, so, <laughs> with my hoop earrings and my over overly loud red lipstick. Come swinging in in my fishnet stock and say, hey, Andy, I've got some socks. <laughs> like, like Peg out of, uh, you know, what's that <laughs> thing? Family, you know, that, what's that? <laughs> Married with children, you know. In terms of the um, reissuing for this Off-White album, uh, were you involved in any of the remixing or production elements, or was it more kind of like... Uh, we didn't we didn't remix it. Um, no, it's. I think it's been remastered. Oh, okay, you know, okay. Cleaned up a bit. But no, you're getting the, the Off-White album that came out that was kind of practically ignored in England, um, and also because it was seen as a kind of rather plainer sister of The Greatest of an Englishman. Mm, okay. You know, um, this, this is his kid sister, and uh, you know she doesn't put on all that makeup and stuff, and she just kind of is very studious. The Off White album is is probably got more crafted songs on it, mm. and they were being written, as I've explained, directly in the wake of me finishing the off uh, finishing the Greatest Living Englishman. Mm-hmm. The Greatest Living Englishman was it wasn't all written at the same time. Some of those songs were a bit older than others. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, I gave Andy something like 20 songs and he picked about six of them and said, have you got any more? I thought, blimey, they're my best songs. I don't know what I'm going to give him next. But so I wrote some new ones. She Rings the Changes was brand new at the time. Some were written pretty much at his request. And I was amazed that um, he rejected some songs that, you know, are, are still favorites for people to these days from the cleaners from Venus. But 
um, there's a lot of new songs, but some of the songs were, were older. I'm trying to think what was an older song there. Uh, most of them were, were written around about 1991, then some written in, in 93. There's possibly a couple of older ones there. They weren't ancient, but... But but the Off White album that was just written written within a, a few weeks and months. Most of it, near, most of it was written. I think A World of Dandy Lee was written earlier, and maybe Arcadian Boys. But the rest of it was all you know written on my piano in between doing gigs and tours and doing poetry gigs and uh, all sorts of stuff. I feel like we should kind of mention some things where we can uh, find you. Um, you mentioned the Cleaners from Venus Bandcamp page um which i think is uh, a, an excellent resource um you're also on twitter well there's a website mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a website twitter i'm on instagram although i don't run that my manager johnny pushed things up there but he usually feeds into them from facebook lots of me on facebook mm-hmm. i've got a facebook mm-hmm. account and a facebook page but the facebook page i run that and i regularly diarize that or put things that are going on there I'm, that's quite lively mm-hmm. that. uh, and there's and, and there's also the oddcast on Mixcloud. The oddcast, I do that every week. Yeah, now that's the oddcast. How did that get started? Oh, someone just said, "Would you do a podcast?" And I, it just, be- I did one, and then gradually it became the oddcast, and it became it became in a format it is about eight tracks, about half an hour long, and some old chat from me, and then occasionally just um, do a themed one, like I did about miniatures this week. Mm-hmm. You know, Morgan Fisher's miniatures. And uh, yeah, actually, for for publishing, if you if you go went to these sites, if you especially went to the website Cleaners from Venus website, which is a, a, a new one now, fairly new, it's about a year old, mm-hmm. I think. Then there's there'll be co- plenty of contacts on that and how to get in contact and all the rest of it and how to find books yes. and things. Thanks again to my friend Heather Zykowski from the Sound of radio program which airs locally in rochester new york for setting up this interview and uh letting me get to know martin newell and his work which uh i think is pretty excellent penny novelettes does not come out for a little while yet but there are some reissues of the greatest living englishman and the off-white album two of his better known albums that actually the off-white album came out one week ago today on CapturedTracks.com. So it's available if you want to pick that up and check out his work from the 90s. Uh, and then uh, stick around because uh, the new album is coming out sometime this year. So uh, enjoy the samples you got today. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between, a radio zine, the Martin Newell interview. Issue 34 contained the Martin Newell interview, written by Heather Zykowski and Austin Rich, featuring a conversation with Heather, Austin, and the musician Martin Newell. As I fall further and further behind on self-imposed deadlines and projects that I can only hold myself accountable for, it should be noted that... Like all of the greatest Americans, if I can't find something else to do when I should be working hard, then I'm hardly worth the breath it would take to call myself an American. 
This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story, some music or poetry that you'd like to send in or read, or you just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com. That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.